Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. Hello and welcome to GodPod. Uh, we're in a rather unusual situation today in that we don't have Graham Tomlin here to keep us in order. We just have me, Jane Williams. And, and, and me, Michael Lloyd. So who knows what will happen, but let's see. Well, particularly as there's just one piece of cake between the two of us. And your arms are longer than mine. And it's closer to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, I thought you and I are both involved in theological education. Yes. And uh, working on the assumption that people who listen to GodPod are quite interested in theology, given that that is, in theory, what we talk about. Yes. Um, why do we think it's a good idea for people to be interested in theology, think about theology? Why, why isn't it enough just to be worshippers? Well, perhaps I can come at that from a slightly circuitous route, and, which is that I find that there is quite a lot of anti-intellectualism around today, in, well, in society generally, actually, but in the church as well. And there always has been. People are suspicious of intellectual pride and uh, of making things so complicated that people don't understand them and, and all of that. But I think there's a new one around today, which is um, a kind of mission-shaped anti-intellectualism, which is we don't need all this highfalutin theology. We need people who will get on with the job. Mm. Fine, but what is the job? <laughs> all we have to offer people is God and offering of God speaking about God, communicating God, is theology. That's what it is. The only question is whether you're going to do it profoundly or whether you're going to do it mm. superficially. And God being inexhaustible, um, th there's a whole amount to plummet and to uh, excavate and to quarry. And do you think that's one of the reasons why people have been suspicious of of theology? Because God is inexhaustible and therefore what we're always doing is putting... Um, slightly smaller cages around. Uh, and I think that's right. And I think often the way we do it, people are perhaps right to be yeah. suspicious of that because if we think we've got God sorted, mm. it's going to come across as very petty, very constrained, very constricting um, and very pale and one-dimensional mm. and not something you're going to want to worship or be told what to do by. <laughs> Um, but I suppose the missional context does, um, especially nowadays, does require us to talk about God a bit more coherently and cogently in that a lot of people um, haven't grown up with uh, an understanding of, of, of any um, theological system at all. Um, I suppose even 50 years ago in, in, in the West, you could take for granted a sort of base level understanding yeah. of, of, <coughs> of the Christian tradition, the Jewish tradition, um, which just isn't there anymore. So um, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I feel called to study theology, to talk about theology, is that I think um, people don't have the concepts anymore. Uh, people have ideas about God that have come from all over the place. Um, 
but they're not quite sure where or what kind of a god it is that we're talking about. There's a wonderful um, cartoon on the internet at the moment where St. Patrick tries to explain the doctrine of the Trinity. <laughs> he's, he's an icon. And he tries to explain it to two Irish peasants who are cartoons. Uh, and they say, tell us, tell us about the Holy Trinity, Patrick. <laughs> and he says, well, it's like... Uh, water can exist in the form of ice or water or steam, but they're all the same thing. There's a slight pause and they go, that's modalism, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> that was condemned by the church at the council of whatever it was. Um, and so he goes and then he tries the sham- shamrock and says, ah, that's partialism, Patrick. <laughs> uh, and finally he says, ah, oh, well, God is completely beyond description. They go, well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> but you can't actually do that. You have to say something about God. You have to communicate something. Otherwise, you're not going to invite people into an experience and knowledge, mm. uh, transforming experience of, of God. And therefore you have to do theology. Mm. Every Christian has to do it because it's communication of God. So you, when you were talking about why you think the missional situation makes people anti-intellectual, do you remember back at the beginning? <laughs> yes, I, do. I, don't think, I don't think it's the missional context so much. It, it's, I think it's the missional task and the urgency of the missional task right. sometimes makes us think, um, and, and sometimes the sheer financial situation of the church makes people think, oh, we can't afford to spend people, spend lots of money on people, training people to get them out there doing the job. Um, but, but what is the job? But what is the job and yeah. how are you going to equip them yeah. to do that in any way that's rich and engaging? Mm. One of my favourite quotes ever is um, from Evelyn Underhill, the great writer about um, mysticism. Yes. Uh, and it's a quote I use under all circumstances. <laughs> uh, and she says, God is the interesting thing about religion. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, there are all kinds of ways in which we practice religion and try to share religion, which suggests there's something else that is actually interesting. It's, you yes. know, it's Such as theology, in fact. Yes. Which can be used rather than... Rather than God. God. Yes, yeah. yeah. But equally, you know, um, good work or, yep. you know, um, exciting music or lovely visuals or, you know... Or nice, good ethics. Or, or a good community, even. Yes, yes. All of which follow, may well follow from um, God. But they're no, um, they're, they're no substitute for God. No. So unless it's actually God that we're getting people excited about, there really isn't any point in doing anything else, is there? And that's why both the institution you work for here at St. Lysus and, and the one I work for in, in Oxford, Wycliffe Hall, prayer is at the very centre of of the daily task mm. because actually it's God that we're in, meant to be engaging with, both in our studies and in the libraries and in the, uh, the classrooms and in the, the chapel mm. or whatever. <clears throat> um, prayer helps us to remember that it is God that, is the interesting thing about religion. And prayer is the primary theological task, isn't it? You can't actually pray without any concepts of what you're doing and who you're doing it with and why. Yes. Um, uh, So again, although we may not think of that as theology, it actually is a a deeply theological thing. It is. And personally, I find it is the reading of Scripture and the expounding of scripture that helps me most to pray Mm. and well particularly to worship I think Um, 
I, I worship at the beginning of the service, I try, but it comes more easily after that mm. injection of uh, right understanding of God into uh, the midst of what who we are and what we're doing. Mm. I've always found it very interesting that so many of the... Um, the mystical writers, the writers about the life of prayer, especially the, the ones who were women, had to sort of pretend they weren't doing theology. Um, I mean, people like Julian of Norwich had yes. to keep saying, you know, I, I'm, although I, all I see is the love of God, heaven forbid that, that I should be saying that that's the theological principle. Well, she clearly was saying yes. that that's the theological principle, <laughs> but she just wasn't allowed to say so. Likewise, Teresa was constantly uh, having to uh, say, no, no, no I'm, not, I'm not in any way challenging the theology of the church. I'm simply talking about a life of prayer. Uh, and um, uh, and I, it's, so you begin to see how we've somehow persuaded ourselves that theology um, is separate from a life of, of prayer and worship in a way that I think has been deeply damaging to both. I, I think that's entirely right. Um, is, and it is a two-way thing, isn't it? I, I think the theology inspires worship, but worship stops theology from being um, a human project, stops it from being arrogant, mm. well, helps to stop it from being <laughs> arrogant and and makes it humble. Yeah. Uh, and the humility, I think, I mean, where do you get that if not in worship, really? But also the the, the call to be attentive mm. to God, yes. to give of our best, to try to um, be honest about uh, what we think and what we feel in the presence of God, um, that that's a, a spiritual discipline that leads to um, what you might call theology, mm. um, in that it matters what what words, what gestures, what actions, what lives we live in response um, uh, to the God that we worship. Worship isn't separate from other things in that sense. I remember one um, epiphany. I was in Cambridge and went to little St Mary's um, to celebrate the Epiphany and Henry Chadwick the wonderful old mm. doyen of um, theological, theological, theological scholars really um, was very elderly he was in the congregation and I remember him just shuffling up to take communion and thinking of the original wise, wise men arriving yes. and, and kneeling at the feet of Christ and finding that very moving somebody of, of that enormous uh, sophisticated theological knowledge and understanding, but but doing what it was all for, which was kneeling mm. uh, at, the, at the feet of Christ, and uh, that's kind of where it all leads, mm. I think. I've always found studying theology is part of my spirituality, and for a while I thought that perhaps I was the only person in the world for whom that was true, <laughs> and that it was just weird. So it's been it's again been a great. Um, joy to discover other theologians. Mm. There, there are times when I'm reading a really abstruse um, passage that that is attempting to articulate, um, like Patrick, the doctrine <laughs> of the Trinity, and I just find that it, it 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 I find it so exciting. It makes me realise that God is not something I could have invented because mm. it's just beyond what I'm able to get my head round in a in a way that's just absolutely thrilling. And stretching. Yes. It keeps stretching yeah. 
one's ca- ca- categories, one's imagination, one's understanding, one's compassion. Yeah. And that's so important, isn't it? So that we, so that we're not making God too small. Yes. Because if we're made in the image of God and we make God small, we're going to be petty. Yes. Whereas if we're made in the image of God and God is infinite, we're going to be constantly expanding and growing and being enlarged and enriched. Uh, and that's, that's a much better way yeah. of, to travel. So are we in danger, Mike, of telling people that everybody has to study theology? Um, I'm in very great danger of that. I, I think <laughs> I do want to say, say that. Uh, obviously, Depending what we it's mean going to take study. different forms yeah. for different people. But but yes, everybody needs to study theology in the sense of thinking hard about God mm. and thinking hard about how God's revealed himself in Jesus and thinking hard about what that means for the rest of human existence mm. and, and the challenges and trials of life. Um now, how people do that will be dependent upon who they are, how God's made them, what gifts they have, what abilities they have. But I think everybody needs to do it in some way, shape or form. And so can that thinking, I mean, can it be uh, a way of life um, so that, you know, that you would find perhaps difficult to put into words but is responding to... Um, a, a living hard, you might say, in response to God. L- living hard, I, we, we, as we, in thinking as hard, thinking hard and living hard. I mean, I think living dis- in a disciplined kind of way that res- that responds to how you see God. I think the more the more one attends to God, the, that does something to you. Yeah, it makes you a theological person, a, go- a God person, and therefore what you bring to any question or challenge or issue is this theologically charged being, mm. both intellectually and spiritually and emotionally and, and, and physically and everything every other way. And and therefore you do think theologically because that's who you are. Mm. Uh, you don't you you decreasingly compartmentalize into this is my usual self and this is my theological yes, self. You, yeah. you, you can't make that distinction increasingly, I think. And we, not long ago, we were talking to Ben Quash about um, uh, about the, the importance of, of art, yes. of, of image. Um, and again, that's, that, that can be a way of doing theology, can't it? Um, I, th- I think that... that it, when I said, are we in danger of making people feel they have to study theology? It's, I'd, I'd love us to think of different ways in which um, in which we are being theological. Yes, yes. Well, I think that's right. And I, I've just been doing a lot of kind of reading about, um, well, a bit of reading anyway, about the, the Anglo-Saxon period in the church in, in this country in its in early days, um, and particularly St Hilda. Mm. And how she encouraged the gift of poetry and music in in Cadman, um, and that and realised that he he was never going to be he became a monk, but she spared him all the Latin and all the, all of yes, that, yeah. so that he could foster this gift. That was his particular charism, his particular gift, and and she wanted to encourage it. She realised he he didn't have what it took to do all the Latin stuff. And but didn't that wasn't, need it. Didn't yes. need it. Yes. 
Um, that wasn't his gift to the community. No. Other, other people would rightly do that, leave that to the beads of this world. But um, she encouraged that ability to communicate depth of truth in richness of language. Mm. Um, and that is doing theology, mm. it is, as is... As, as is a life of compassion and, and service. It's another form of theology. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we've lost our ability to discern what kind of a theologian yes. everybody is called to be. Yes. You wonder what it would be like to be a community where, um, where we fostered that discernment. What, 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 what is the way in which you express yes. and your, your particular gifting as a as a theologian, as one who um, speaks God, whether in words or yes. speaks about God and to God and with God. And I think we do compartmentalise in church too easily and too much. Mm. Uh, so we tend to pray for clergy, bishops, uh, missionaries. That's about it, yeah. really. We don't tend to pray for our artists and our composers and our dancers and our whatever or indeed our business people no social workers social workers yeah. teachers yeah um and and actually we therefore model by what we choose to pray about a kind of hierarchy of uh theology how theology can be lived and we also then model what we think theology is theology belongs in churches yes primarily yes um and therefore we have made god very small, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. And people see that and vote with their feet, I think, and think if it, if the theology you get when you go to church is a th church shaped and b mm. a bit constraining, maybe they won't go. Mm. Uh, if it was the whole of life in which God was made radiant, that was celebrated and resourced in church um, I think they'd be more inclined to give it a try mm. and do you think that's um, do you think that's a particular issue arising out of the western Protestant tradition with its great emphasis on the importance of preaching of understanding of um, making your own informed commitment to faith it's a good question. I, I probably don't have much experience of the church elsewhere, as, as you do. You were brought up in, in India, weren't you? I was, but it was very much... Um, Protestant. Yes, of, yes, Protestant India. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which actually, um, partly because of its cultural situation, was even more um, careful about its interaction with the culture around it. Yes. Um, yes. Because people who had become Christians had very often stepped made deliberate and sacrificial steps outside yep. uh, an engagement with culture in a different kind of way. And, and and there are sensitivities, aren't there, about how you, what you bring in with you. Yes. Um, I remember working in a Cree theological college in, in Saskatchewan mm. um, <clears throat> and was rather surprised to find a very Victorian form of Anglican worship with no kind of Indian art or music or anything. Um, and they, I was told it's, they're too close 
to it. It yeah. mean it's too associated for them with spirit worship and with the things that yeah. they're trying to be free from. But but I don't want to give up on that enterprise, the, mm. the embodying the truth of the gospel in the diverse rich art forms of of the world. And it's interesting that the first um, missionaries to Britain were 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 told in a way to enculturate what they mm. found, yes. and that was quite bold, wasn't it? It, it was. Um, it was also very successful. Yes. Uh, a very few martyrdoms actually. Yes. Uh, and B, um, the, the remarkable rapidity within with which the country I, I turned turned to the new faith. I think part of that was a, a, a real dissatisfaction with the violence of a pagan society and a d- hope that this would produce something that was a counter mm. counterexample to that. Mm. Um, but yes, no, I, I, I think it is a very good policy, a very wise policy. Maybe not universally wise. Maybe it wouldn't work under all circumstances. Uh, I mean, the, the creed theology is, is an yeah. interesting one, and I think the same would apply um, in the in the part of India where I grew up. There's sometimes a need to step out of, mm-hmm. um, so so that you so that you can see what what you're actually freeing yourself from in order to yes. um, to become a, a Christian. But but I wonder if we have now. Um, if 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 we are now in a position where we actually need to reimagine what it would be like to be um, theologians who can make sense of a whole the whole world that we live in um, for people, um, because I think a lot of people do assume that that theology belongs in church. Yes, and and therefore is contained within forces for walls mm. um, rather than uncontainable. Mm. And and that is always the challenge, isn't it? To to become decreasingly um, idolatrous. Yes. Uh, we're all idolatrous to a certain extent yes. because we have a mental conception of who God is and an intellectual conception of who God is and probably an emotional one as well. And he's always bigger than that. Yes, which is why those concepts always have to be broken down and... And, uh, and rebuilt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slightly less inadequately. Yes, and usually painfully along the way. But, I mean, I, I think one of my earliest theological memories, if I had to, you know, anybody would ever ask me when I started to, to, to think I'd, I want to be a theologian, was when I went to, off to boarding school at the age of five uh, and realised that God could come with me. Okay, so how did how did that happen? It happened out of desperation uh, and the sense that you know parents, siblings didn't come with you, and yes. I thought, well, so does does that mean that that I am now in a completely different world? Um, but it was a Christian school, and we prayed, and I thought, oh, I see. So that isn't a, it isn't a a, a, lo- a local a, 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 god, a place specific yeah, thing, exactly. Um, and then years and years and years later, reading. Um, the the story of of the the, the exile of the of, of the Jews um, mm. uh, and watching them make that discovery again uh, that their God didn't wasn't limited mm. uh, and could be found anywhere I thought that's something that that uh, that we have to do over and over and over again is is discover the the, the 
the size of God, <laughs> the, yes. the reality of God under all circumstances. I, I love the, the story of Naaman in that way. Yeah. With, with this kind of, you know, couple of cartloads of soil he asks to be taken with him so that he can pray on, yeah. on, on Jewish soil. Yes. Um, again, <laughs> these the ideas that you bring with you from your free, kind of free theological transformation uh, time take take a long time to die yeah. don't they um, and and I guess that's a continual process a as continu- well yeah and so if somebody were to ask you Mike when you first um, realised you loved theology wanted to be a theologian well one of the earliest I, I, I was brought up in a, in a Christian family at least from the age of about five I suppose um my eldest brother had a, a brain tumor operation and uh my mother kind of coped while she had to and then when he got better from that had a, had a bit of a breakdown and, and went to somebody recommended that she went to uh, a christian nursing home home of healing called burswood uh, in kent mm. uh, and that's where their faith kind of, of both her and my dad came became personal and came alive mm. and that was when I was about five so from then on I kind of had that kind of upbringing and and that was part of who I was I suppose the first time I remember it was that I think my parents bought me a copy of the J.B. Phillips translation of the Bible and that kind of brought that alive in a a way and that was again at at prep school at boarding school I read that and and just got very excited Mm. by it and um, I think that was probably Mm my earliest memory of, of that capturing capturing my imagination and heart and mind and so the importance of of, of the bible as a as a, a way to to imagine the world theologically to be part of a theological world yes um i remember i don't know why but i read book of revelation maybe that's what Gracious. kind of yeah <laughs> boys of 12 yeah. two or whatever yeah. or 10 or whatever probably 10 um uh, because it's strange and kind of yes, a, bit, a bit like, you know, comics. <laughs> um, mm, yes. <laughs> but uh, but there was something, and I probably understood very little of it. But mm. but it it captured something in in me, and and that never let go. I mm. think probably. So is that where you would recommend people to start? Do you think with the Book of Revelation, or, or, <laughs> or no. the Bible, or? Um, or is that? Do you think that depends on what kind of a person it is? And I think I think it does. I would always want to listen to who the person is and yeah. what grabs them at the moment. But on the other hand, in the end, you have to begin with Jesus somewhere along the line, and and the New Testament gives you an account of what that looked like. Mm what God looked like when he walked the streets of and lanes of the, of this world mm. and so probably I think what, what what would you recommend to somebody yes I think I would recommend that um, I mean like you I'd want to listen a bit to to the person's history the kind of theology that unconsciously they're bringing to it already yes Yes. um so for a lot of people um 
that I've encountered at least um, what they bring to theology is somehow a, um, a sense of being judged mm. um, and uh, in which case possibly not go to the book of Revelation in, in which case possibly not start there <laughs> so that it, for them it might be that they need to encounter Jesus in a, a community that is able to offer acceptance yes and love um, I, I'm just constantly saddened by how we've managed to the, the Christian community somehow managed to give this sense that that's our primary duty is to judge people yeah. um, when you know we are the people who've who know that we have been offered um, forgiveness and freedom why isn't that what we're yes. primarily offering to others um, and, and I think the reason I could cope with the book of Revelation age 12 is partly because I hadn't experienced any of that kind of ex- expectation of ju- being judged yeah. through my upbringing, and um, and partly because actually the Book of Revelation is about a whole lot more than that, yes. yeah. and a much richer kind of thing than that, which I think I slightly sensed. Yes, um, but I agree. Yeah, perhaps the community is for some people the place. Uh, we, it's always now a cliche that we used to tell people to believe and then belong, yeah. and now we tell people to belong in order to, to believe, kind of thing. But it is constant, constant interaction, interaction between yeah. those things. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? And I suppose one of the things that you just can't get away from in the Gospels is, um, I mean, the Gospels are about people encountering Jesus. They're not meant to be um, an objective. Uh, account of Jesus, whatever an objective account mm. would be, they, they what you're always seeing is the impact yes. uh, of Jesus, and and therefore what comes through is the importance of that. Uh, um, the gospel, one of the things that always strikes me about the gospel is the people who didn't know how important it was. It's a bit like um, I may be getting this wrong, but Karl Barth's great phrase about how the church is the crater formed by the explosion of the shell of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and and that's about impact. Yeah, that's about yeah the impact that hopefully not quite quite as destructive no. impact <laughs> as, as a shell exploding, but um, but at least as seismic. Yes, and then trying to work out what made that impact. What is yes. this? Yes. Yes. Mm. So I think what we've done is recommend that people think theologically, live yes. theologically, yes. pray theologically. Um, and come and study either at Wycliffe or St. Malaitis, I think that's, ideally. That, that's yeah. exactly right. Um, <laughs> and and that the Bible and the community are going to be two essential yeah. elements, ingredients in that process, yeah. in interaction with each other. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mike. I enjoyed that. We don't, did awfully well without Graham, didn't we? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't think we should try it again. No problem at all. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. GodPod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try.